This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for giving me some time. I'm Dan McNeil. It's the Danny Mac Podcast via Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Glad you're with me today. I want to talk about last night's Oscars. I'm going to, uh, but in a little bit. We've got football stuff up top. That's how I like to do it. You probably know that. Uh, but I'm going to give you a reason why, even if you hate the films that came out or didn't see them, why you might want to consider watching the Oscars. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you how I find satisfaction in that one day of the year event for three hours because it brings joy to my heart. And last night did as well, even though I only saw a couple of the nominees and get to that in a little bit. There is a chorus of bear down being sung all over Chicago land. The last few days, Ryan Paul's pulls the trigger 45 days before the annual talent hunt. Careful with that one. Uh, It's a deal that's really good. DJ Moore is a Chicago Bear, and there's optimism about Moore. The Bears, of course, thin at the wide receiver position since leather helmets. Their top five in franchise history is a joke. You know that. Names of Johnny Morris, Mike Ditka, Harlan Hill, still in the top five. No, thank you. Let's find somebody who can rewrite these record books. Is DJ Moore the guy? Jury's out for me. I I don't think it's it's a good idea to judge a guy. And we we gave this to Bears quarterbacks when they underachieved. So let's give it to a receiver on a team with lousy quarterbacks. How do you know what DJ Moore is is capable of, given the restrictions he's had, the limitations in the Carolina Panthers offense? They've had some bad quarterbacks in his NFL career, which began in eighteen. Uh, not last year, but 19, 20, and 21. He had three really productive uh, seasons consecutively, almost 1,200 receiving yards in each of those threes. High water mark in catches is 21 when he had 93. Last year, he only caught 63 balls, but seven of them were for touchdowns. That's his career best. When Sam Darnold, when a bad Baker Mayfield, or a young Taylor Heineke before he became a Washington football team quarterback are your quarterbacks, those are pretty good numbers. Consider this. The Panthers lose a lot. They throw a lot. Are those 1,200 receiving yard almost seasons, all three of them just a tick shy, Are those indicative of a team that builds up counting stats because they're throwing a lot and trailing? I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Carolina Panthers football. I watch them a whole lot more 
when they had Luke Keekley and Cam Newton and my friend Ron Rivera was on the sideline, I watched a ton of the Panthers. They faded off into Mike Tyson's Bolivian in the last couple of years. I should probably whiteboard that quote because I may have thrown it at you a time or two earlier this year. Mike Tyson was talking about the fall from glory and what happens when your star fades. And he said, fade off into Bolivian when he was trying to say fade off into oblivion. There you have it. Now, you know, bar bet, take a drink off your pally next time you see him. The ninth pick is now what Ryan Poles is, is sitting with. And it's a precipitous drop. It's not permanent. Lots of time left to work. Do you get Will Anderson at nine if that's where you want to go positionally? Not so sure you do. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think you're going to have to slide up. You get picks in the future. That's good. The Bears are going to need more high round picks again next year, and they're going to get them. It only costs the Bears only $17.5 million a year for DJ Moore. That's that's reasonable. That's that's not through the roof money, but it shouldn't be. He's not a through the roof receiver yet. He's not a top tier guy yet. Again, the qualifier, he hasn't had great quarterbacks. He hasn't even had good quarterbacks in his 5 years in the NFL. 17-5. Yeah, I can live with that. Here's the I have higher expectations for Chase Claypool than I do DJ Moore. If Claypool is going to be, he showed bursts his first year in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you you, you drafted me high for a reason. I, I'm a go-up-and-get-it guy, Guagi in Spiegel speak, and uh, is real productive. But the last few years have been uneventful. His first year with the Bears last season when he joined them in uh, midstream was anything but memorable. It was uneventful. He wasn't helpful. He he didn't he didn't really get going at all. And then Fields got hurt. So you have to throw in qualifiers there uh, for the uh, guys who succeeded Fields while he was dinged up. So I don't really know what they have there, but I think I think all of us would be would be doing the right thing if you'll pardon me telling you how to feel. If we gave him the benefit of the doubt, let let him work with Fields in the offseason. The fact that the Bears, now third-year quarterback, has Claypool and more with him in the offseason, I, I think is going to be helpful. I am not optimistic on either receiver, however, comma, that you're going to see the type of production that makes you feel this is the best damn receiver we've ever had. The best receiver the Bears have ever had, even though it was only for two of his three years here, was Brandon Marshall. He got people mad near the end, and they conveniently forgot about how damn good he was when the great Mark with a C. Trustman was calling the shots for the Bears. He's a good player. He's a good player, but he offended Robbie Gold. Don't do that. We pissed off the kicker. Hey, Robbie. And Robbie Gold was a media favorite and media buy-in. When a guy's nice to him, they tend to take his side. I've done it myself. I'll point the thumb too. But that was one guy's viewpoint. A locker room needs a guy to stand up and yell and scream. And I don't know the dynamics. If if Marshall had done things that were off-putting to his teammates and forfeited his right to be 
an in-your-face leader. But so that that changes everything. But still, it was painted as though, oh, man, poor bears. Their feelings have been hurt. Man, it's a different world. This ain't IBM or Coca-Cola. This is the NFL. All rules of conduct are are irrelevant when you're an NFL football player. It is cavemanian, if you will. So I'm guardedly optimistic about the deal. What I want to know, what puzzles me is why Poles was so fast to pull the trigger. He had six weeks. Six weeks is a long time for general managers to start getting panicky. The little yellow man runs around in their head, is scratching and clawing and saying, hey, man, you, you got a chance here. Do something. Do something. We need that one. He didn't do that. He made the trade in March. We're not even in the month of the draft, April, and it's at the end of April. I think the 27th, but it's at the end of it. Why the rush? Let people sweat a little bit. You've seen draft day. You remember the actor who played Jeff Carlson, the rookie general manager of the Jaguars, when Kevin Costner's character took advantage of him because he was panicky? And the actor, Chicago guy, can't remember the name, who played the goof GM. We were supposed to have him on the show a few years ago, but the timing didn't work out. A radio show when radio was a thing. And uh, it's it's so funny. I, I love how nervous he, 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 he appeared. In. That is real. There are guys who make bad judgments when they are under enormous pressure. And there are 32 GM jobs in the world, in the NFL. And when you have one of them and you're inexperienced, it's easy to overreact, just as Ryan Pace did when he moved up and traded for Mitch Trubisky. What he gave up wasn't as colossal as Bears fans made it out to be, it wound up being, what, the 35th pick in the draft or something like that. Look at the history of 35th picks in the draft. You might find a few good ones, but you're going to find 90% of those names unrecognizable. So it's not a certainty that pick would have hit, and Bears fans creamed him for it. But the point is, be patient. There's no reason to do it. What's the rush? It was March 10th. You don't have to part with that number one pick on March 10th because it's a good deal. I don't know if it's a great deal. We'll see. That's why they play the game, someone once said. And millions of us have repeated it after they did. Thank goodness for that. An NFL note I read earlier today, Bud Grant, the former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, passed away. He was 95 years old. Grant was the architect of the Vikings Purple People Eaters defense. I couldn't get that out together real fast. Uh, Of the 70s, his Vikings appeared in four Super Bowls. That's crazy good. Not four straight like Levy's Bills, but uh, still damn impressive. Here's the problem. Minnesota didn't show in any of them. Very seldom discussed nugget on the Vikings 0-4 Super Bowl resume. In all four losses, they failed to score in the a, a touchdown in the first half. All four games. Going to halftime with a three or a zero. And uh, I recall the first loss to the uh, the Chiefs. That was an upset. Grant's offense couldn't get going. I think 23-7 to was the final in that one. 
and they got slapped around by the Raiders in a Super Bowl. The Steelers got them at Tulane Stadium in Super Bowl nine, 16 to six. There's a big six pack. Dave Osborne with a late two yard touchdown plunge. The little white running back, number 41. They didn't play on Super Sunday ever. They they shriveled up. But Grant's Grant's Vikings were, for a long period, the standard of the division. And and the NFC, for that matter. Packers were never too long from taking that away in the division. There was a Lindy Infante era where they fell off to Bolivian. But uh, Grant's Vikings were a thing, man, and I I had the chance years back to get to know Chuck Foreman, number 44, just a little bit. He was a terrific player, not given the attention he should have received. Maybe at the time he did, but his name kind of faded away after his playing career. Really good dude. He played in one of our uh, score golf outings, and it was fun to sit down with him. He called the show afterward. I didn't ask him to, but he was listening on his way to the airport out of town. And he said, I, I don't remember which Bears running back we were roughing up, but he, he wanted to call and say hello and say, go easy on the running backs. Was it Edgar Bennett? I, I don't remember. Craig Ironhead Hayward, rest his soul. Um, don't uh, don't remember, but Chuck Foreman was a gas. Um, Jay Hilgenberg, the legendary Bears center. His uncle Wally was on those Vikings defenses. He played linebacker in Iowa Hawkeye. Uh, Hilgie told me he was in, uh, I think, 10th grade, 9th grade, 10th grade, when he got to go to the Super Bowl in New Orleans to see Uncle Wally play against the Steelers. And, and Jay didn't grow up entitled in Iowa City, but that's that's a unique privilege. Yeah, I'm going to go watch my uncle play in Super Bowl nine. Okay, and I want to be a pro football player someday. So Alan Page, the Hall of Fame and future judge uh, of the Vikings, would put his arm around young Hilgi. It it had to have been so cool. Bud Grant on the sidelines. And the Vikings, when they played at Metropolitan Stadium, this is a difference in eras, millennials. Both teams shared a sideline. That made for some unpleasant moments, I was told, by Doug Buffon many years ago. And uh, it was, I mean, there's a typical NFL films where you see the breath out of the mouths and it's frozen Metropolitan Stadium in Bloomington. Bud Grant was the face of that era of Vikings football. He was 95. He was enshrined in Pro Football's Hall of Fame, which was the second Hall of Fame in which he was inducted. He also is a member of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Can you name another guy who was enshrined in both? Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick. I got one, Warren Moon. I I don't know if any others have been, have joined the club. I don't think they have, but uh, rest in peace, Bud Grant. Thanks for the memories. His Vikings kicked the crap out of the Bears, chronically. I want to talk about the Oscars last night, and I have been dispirited by the decline of the movie industry. I love the art. I believe movies speak to me as much as any form of art, more than sports, often more than music. I find things in music or in movies all the time 
that truly emulate life. And that's what art is supposed to do. I have found inspiration from, from little, sometimes when you least expect it, sometimes in a goofy ass movie, you find little nuggets of wisdom you can apply to your life. I found one recently in the 2017 film Molly's game when, uh, Jessica Chastain is telling the story of Molly Bloom, the Olympic skier um, who busted out and then started running. She got hurt, uh, didn't get to play uh, ski in the Olympics. So she starts a legal um, card game, first in Los Angeles and then in New York. She makes almost $5 million a year, and then she's indicted for her involvement in the Russian mob because she didn't know it. She'd started getting all drugged up. And she failed to vet some players she knew to be Russian, but didn't know they were mob connected. And she'd written a book called Molly's Game. That's the title of the film in which she was not willing to give up some of some of the stuff she had learned. I'm writing a book right now, so I found it to be quite useful. The movies can take us to great places. They also can encapsulate life's truest sadnesses, real loss. It is uh, it is a magnificent industry, and I don't care on Oscars night that television is kicking its ass, and it was referenced last night, very funny way, by your MC, who was Jimmy Kimmel. Now, I always have liked Jimmy Kimmel, but I'm sleeping by nine most nights. I don't watch a lot of overnight television. I know I could record it. I'm not that into uh, talk shows on TV anymore, so I don't. But K- Kimmel crushed it last night, and there was inspiration in almost every story I heard. I was trying to get some writing done and just keep you know one eye on it. I, I did that for the most part, but... Every time I took a short break and dug in to the 95th presentation of the Academy Awards, I was inspired. Kimmel's monologue encapsulated, it was brilliantly written, and it was masterfully executed executed what I love about the movies, the human condition. There were 14 first-time nominees, two actors who made the Goonies movie years ago, won Oscars. They both sobbed. They both have been on the ropes. Brendan Fraser is one of my can't pronounce the name of the Asian-born actor. I apologize. He, he is Chinese, but I, I can't pronounce his name. So born in Vietnam, he's Chinese. You know who he is, maybe. But they, they, they wept. Frazier talked afterward about there are years when the phone doesn't ring. I can't tell you. Jamie Lee Curtis won an Oscar, and she claimed it was an industry victory. In an acceptance speech, I didn't see the movie. It doesn't matter. In an acceptance speech that took the camera off of her and put it on the bonds that are developed for the thousands of people with whom she's collaborated over the years. Her husband, Christopher Guest, the outstanding comedic actor and director, sat in the audience and smiled. I saw an interview this morning where Jamie Lee said, I just wanted to go home and be with my man afterward. This night's meant a lot to me. It's never going to get any better. I'm just going to go home with my man. And it warmed my heart. And uh, Christopher Guest's mockumentary series means so much to me. Um, I have watched them over and over again. Um, A Mighty Wind is my favorite, but when I'm watching Best in Show, that's my favorite one. I'm watching Waiting for Guffman and Dance. 
Uh, I, you know, Christopher Guest, man, he's he's just a soulful comic goof. And when Jamie Lee won the Oscar last night and exuded such appreciation for her colleagues and co-workers over the year, it's heartwarming. That's what teamwork does. And it is an industry that is riddled with backbiting and bad behavior. Heard of Harvey Weinstein? I mean, it's 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 a shitty industry. But for one night, everybody re, everybody unites in the same room, and there is mutual respect that is palpable. Four Irish, five Irish actors were nominated for an Oscar last night, which provided Kimmel with a glorious opportunity. He said, with five Irish actors nominated tonight, there's a good chance there's going to be another punch thrown like there was last year when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Um and the actors laughed. And I looked at two of those actors and I did see Banshees, Banshees, which features Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and, and a young kid actor, too, who was nominated in that film. Not a kid, but early 20s. And I don't know his name. It's not important. The three of them sat next to each other. And it's three generations of performers, of people who've poured their hearts and souls into their craft. And my heart was warmed at seeing that, that respect. It really was. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, the first time I saw them opposite one another was in Bruges 20 years ago. I have watched that film over and over again. And here's why. It, it emulates life. It's it's the It's the fight between... A man of an older generation, a little bit, you know, stodgy, a little bit curmudgeon against a younger man, the generational gap. And that's the running theme. That's what Banshees is all about. And you have Brendan Gleeson, an aging musician, looking at the end of his life and wondering why has he not written his most masterful work? Why has his violin not managed to work its way into the hearts and souls of music lovers everywhere. And it, it gets a little bit dark, but it is it, it is a fascinating story. Farrell and Gleason together are a tour de force, as they were in In Bruges. It wasn't a great picture, but I was entertained from start to finish. A little difficult to pick up Irish brogue, and I'm an Irishman, but I've lived here in Northwest Indiana on the outskirts of Chicago my entire life, but it was, it was fun. It was, it was so cool. Judd Hirsch, 88 years old, nominated for an Oscar. He didn't win it, but to just see him looking so healthy and so happy in the room. And I've never met Judd Hirsch. I've never read anything about Judd Hirsch. He splashed onto the scene with taxi years ago and what I forever will remember him by is his role as the pushy but effective psychologist. They called him a psychiatrist in 1980, but he was really a psychologist. Maybe he prescribed meds, but he did a lot of talk therapy with Timothy Hutton's character. And he pushed, recognizing what makes a patient motivated, he pushed him and pushed him until Hutton finally was able to unearth the things that troubled him most, the death of his brother. Was he responsible for the drowning in a boating accident where he also was present but managed to survive? Judd Hirsch's character, Dr. Berger, in Highland Park, Illinois, by the way, in the movie, um, man, and he puts his arms around him at the end uh, after Timothy Hutton realizes how much he needed to get that out. It's, it's awesome. And it's just a character in a movie. 
but it embodies the human condition. I love movies. I'm not asking you to love them, but I'm asking you if you do, if you will consider watching the Oscars. I think you'll like it. Tom Cruise wasn't there. James Cameron took a pass as well. And Kimmel in his monologue noted Cameron. He says, both of them, he says, these are the two guys, and you've probably seen the commercial or PSAs in theaters, two guys who've been reminding us to go to the theater, and tonight they decide not to go to the theater. It's a celebration of the craft. Steven Spielberg now has been nominated for Oscars in six decades. Kimmel joked about Hollywood's growing reputation of not finding anything new to do in movies. He said he got remakes, you got franchises. The material has become so thin, Steven Spielberg decided to make a movie about Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Oh, man, it's great. So much inclusion. So many people of so many parts of the world, ages and colors, all in a room. The music was good when I paid attention to it. I I love the film business. And, man, um, if you feel similarly, if I've struck a chord with you, see if you can find last night's Oscars, the 95th edition. Whether I go to the theater or don't, never have I been disappointed when I sat down and watched the event. Never. In memoriam, all of it. The production when you see people and live television is largely different from film, you don't get a chance to do 20 takes. Millions of people are watching you and the performances were spectacular. The professionalism, the, the camaraderie among their, their community um, is something for me. All right, I'll stop gushing. Thank you for listening. Please tell a friend. If you have not subscribed yet, please do so. You can do it wherever you get podcasts. I try to punch up these these podcasts each week on Twitter and on Facebook when available to me. Sam Michael is our executive producer. Adam Delavitt, my friend and longtime colleague from ESPN back in the day, is the media director at podcast at Bet Rivers Podcast. Thank you, Adam, for everything you continue to do for me. Your friendship and loyalty never will be under underappreciated by me. I promise you that. Back Thursday, I'm Mac. Have a good first few days to your week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.